he still has a grandson alive. No, I'm not kidding. He doesn't have a great grandson. He doesn't have a great grandson. He has a grandson. He has a dude who's like, hey, granddad. And that was John Tyler born in 1790. To me, this is one of the most amazing pieces of trivia, political or not. How could a dude born in 1790 have a grandson? Hey, welcome back to another episode of WTF History, episode three. And I'm here with my fellow presenter, Mike Gatto. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Great to be here. Today, our our um, our subject matter, our theme, rather, is going to be presidents. Yes. And um, why don't you go first, Mike? All right. So uh, what I wanted to talk about today and uh, hopefully make the audience say WTF is the strange and fascinating career of Martin Van Buren, our eighth president. And we begin by saying, you know, something that almost nobody, and I, 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 I've tested them, almost nobody knows. And you say, who is the only president for whom English was a second language? And a lot of people will say, well, that hasn't happened. Or, you know, that's going to happen some point in the future when we have, you know, somebody you know, who is raised speaking Spanish, uh, but that hasn't happened, blah, blah, blah. Well, the answer, of course, is Martin Van Buren. Um, he and his wife both spoke Dutch as their first language. And they spoke English with a thick accent, um, particularly his wife. She was almost impossible to understand. Uh, Martin Van Buren was also the first president who had no British heritage. Um, the, the first part of our country, of course, was a very ethnically homogenous time in our country. Um, and so Martin Van Buren was the first president who is not of British descent. Um, but then really, it's also these random things about Martin Van Buren that I think are so fascinating that I didn't know that I think people out there will say, what the hell? So he wins the presidency in 1836. And one of the first things that he almost does is fight a war with Canada. He, he actually, they actually fought a pretty big battle at the border that included sinking a U.S. steamboat. And then during his presidency, uh, there were two insurrections, um, two things that he had to put down that ran the risk of becoming a civil war. There was one in Vermont and one in Maine. So obviously the northern border was a very, very strange hotspot during his presidency. Yeah. Um, he, loses the, he loses re-election in 1840. But the fascinating thing that came out of that election is the murky origins of our phrase that we still say a thousand times a day, and that is okay. And I should note, I should preface this by saying historians debate uh, how much of this is true and the true origins of okay. Um, but the best thing that we can determine is that during that election that he lost, the election of 1840, um, his opponent ran with the slogan of old Tippy Canoe. Right? And Tyler he had been a war, Yeah, Tippy Canoe. He had been a war hero in Tippy Canoe. And so... You know, Van Buren's people responded by saying Old Kinderhook, which is where he was from. And that got shortened to OK. Um, people then, you know, started to turn that on him, just like people, you know, take a slogan today like MAGA and they turn that into a pejorative somehow. But they started to say, well, OK doesn't stand for Old Kinderhook. It stands for the fact that, you know, he and his predecessor, Andrew Jackson, could not spell. And so they had to sign bills with OK, like I OK'd it, oh. as opposed to and, and they meant this to be a misspelling of, you know, certain certain words. So, so which is fascinating. But 
the fact that we still have this as a you know part of speech the the whole world right i mean you go to italy and they they'll say va bene okay va bene okay which means yeah yeah like it's okay right. yeah right? and the fact that you hear this spoken in mexico you hear this spoken in africa yeah and it all just came from like a slogan from the 1840 presidential race is so strange to me but wow. then here's here's the like random thing about martin van buren in a life full of random facts so in 1848 18 years after he lost uh, the presidency, he ran for president again. And did he run on the Democratic ticket or the Whig ticket or the Republican ticket? No, he ran on the barn burner ticket, <laughs> the, the noted barn burner party of 1848. Uh, you might be surprised, but uh, you know he didn't get a single electoral vote. It was a very undignified way for a former president to go out, but it still gets even worse. Um, Van Buren was sort of a doddering kind of, you know, strange personality. And as the Civil War broke out, he was still alive. And uh, he got a letter from former President Buchanan. And he said, hey, listen, there's a whole bunch of former presidents who are alive today. And you're the oldest one. Uh, why don't we all send a letter talking about how the Civil War breaks our heart and how we should, you know, speak up for this plan and try to negotiate a stalemate and so on and so forth. And Van Buren wrote him back and said, nah, you know, you're the most recent president. He started bickering about the details. Right? They're like, like never mind. Very, yeah, this very <laughs> important letter, right? right. And, and like, well, no, you're the most recent president. And, you know, maybe you should go first. Or maybe this guy should go first and blah, blah, blah. And, and so this letter never happened. Like, like none of these presidents <laughs> ever spoke out against the Civil War, which is, oh, or, you know, crazy. together, which is so fascinating. And yeah. so, like, what a weird, weird career this guy had. And I got to say... Of all those facts, I mean, I kind of knew the okay thing, but from his linguistic uh, preferences or whatever you want to call it, his his linguistic origins to his horrible, horrible retirement, that's the fascinating and weird story of Martin Van Buren. Well, that was a that was a good story, Mike. That's going to be hard to beat. Um, we did not plan this at all because what Mike and I do on on these episodes is we don't uh, we don't tell each other what the stories are going to be ahead of time. Um, we kind of give each other what subject matter, so yeah, we don't, so we don't do yeah. the same one. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, that was a good one. I, I really like that. And we didn't plan this, but that was a great entree for my story because my story involves uh, um, the president uh, kind of right after that. Not exactly after that, but who beat um, old Kinderhook. That was William Henry Harrison. And his vice right. president was John Tyler. 1790 was when John Tyler was born. The same year that roughly, roughly the same time that the Constitution came into being, right? Right. Exactly. Yes, that's right. John Tyler, that's when he was born. So he was the vice president and he, you know, he had a, a typical career um, as a politician. He was a congressman. He was a governor. He was a U.S. senator. Here's what I find interesting is that as U.S. senator, he's well, I find it interesting in respect of what what my later story is going to be. Um, but he uh, he supported Andrew Jackson. So this is how far back the guy goes, right? People didn't like him. In 1842, during his presidency, there was an impeachment proposal. And the, I love the grounds for the impeachment proposal in 1842. Um, the grounds for, for the impeachment proposal was the high crimes and misdemeanor of endeavoring to excite a disorganizing and revolutionary spirit in the country. <laughs> that was those were the grounds for the proposal. So um can you imagine if they had that? 
today. I mean, that's like <laughs> no one. Yeah, and, and and it was very much let, let let the constitutional wonk jump in. It was very much an issue of constitutional interpretation whether the vice president would ascend to the power of the presidency, but still be called vice president or whether he would actually become the president. And so that's why there is a big debate. John Tyler ascended in 1841 because William Henry Harrison passed away. Because of that, and that was like uncharted constitutional grounds at that time right now. I mean, today in 2024 or 2023, we know, right, he's going to he's going to ascend. The vice president is going to take office. It wasn't really solid ground then. So for the rest of his career, many, many people would call would not refer to him as his presidency. They would refer to him as his accidency, which he hated, uh, but I love. I think it's pretty damn funny. Um, so here's the story that I want to tell you. John Tyler, born in 1790, in the middle of his political career, endorsed Andrew Jackson, um, became president in 1841, our 10th president. What number are we up to now, Mike? 46, is that right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I take your word. Yeah. He still has a grandson alive. No, oh I'm not kidding. He doesn't have a great grandson. He doesn't have a great grandson. He has a grandson. He has a dude who's like, hey, granddad. And that was John Tyler, born in 1790. To me, this is one of the most amazing pieces of trivia, political or not. How could a dude born in 1790 have a grandson? He had two, right? But one died in 2020 and one is wow. still alive. He married Julie Gardner Tyler when uh, she was 24 and he was 54. So we had a 30-year difference there, right? Then in, uh, in 1853, he gave birth to a son when he was 63. And that was Lion Gardner Tyler. So he gave birth to a son in 1863. Um, then Lion Gardner Tyler was in his 70s when he, gave, when he had... Um, Harrison Tyler Ruffin and Lion Gardner Tyler Jr. Those were the two sons of Lion Gardner Tyler. So he was in his 70s and the living one, um, Harrison Ruffin, he was born in 1928. So he is still alive today, almost 100 years old. But he is still alive. Interestingly enough, Harrison Tyler, Harrison Tyler Ruffin, he, um, the son who is still alive, the grandson of uh, John Tyler, he really grew up poor. Um, as you could imagine, having a father in their 70s right, doesn't bode well, right? And in those days, women, you know, usually didn't work, um, by and large, just the culture that it was in the 1920s. And we hit the Depression. So he really had nothing. You would think, well, he was the, you know, the grandson of um, the president and the governor of Virginia and all this stuff, right, that that would have set him up. But actually, he was very poor. He couldn't afford to go to college. Uh, but through some relationships with like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he was able to, um, you know, have a relationship with Mary Astor of the Astor fortune. Wow. And she um, wrote him a check for $5,000, which enabled him to um, matriculate to the College of William and Mary. Um, at the College of William and Mary, Harrison Tyler Ruffin, who again is the grandson of John Tyler, he became a chemical engineer and he actually created a number of very successful chemical companies. And uh, later on in, in his life, um, 
he uh, saved uh, the Sherwood Forest uh, Preserve down in, I believe that's in Virginia. Um, he did a lot of historic preservation and he donated millions of dollars to the College of William and Mary History Department, which is now named the Harrison Tyler Ruffin History Department at uh, the College of William and Mary. So he, uh, despite you know having a pretty rough childhood during the depression, he actually made a became very very successful, and is still kicking. However, Mike, there is a sad note um, from everything I've read. He he's currently suffering from dementia, and this has been going on since the late teens. Um, you know, I think 20, 2016, 20, anyway, somewhere in there, and he, you know probably doesn't have a lot longer with us. But you know what? God bless you. Harrison Tyler Ruffin for being the grandson of our 10th president. It is an amazing story, and it, it blows your mind when you think about all the things that his grandfather witnessed. And it sometimes comes to mind those things that people will say about how the United States is really only three generations mm -hmm. old, because there's always somebody who, you know, is alive today who, when they were, you know, four years old, they met, you know, the the hundred year old who had met. George Washington, right? And and that's amazing how things can be transmitted that way. Um, two quick anecdotes, and I know we got to wrap. First is when I was in office, I had the grandson of a president come apply to work as a field rep in my office, um, to be work as a field rep in my uh, Burbank office of a state representative making $45,000 a year. Oh and God. actually did not hire him because I thought it was beneath his dignity. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> and I, I did it once. The pressure of a famous, like, a fa and this is a famous, famous political family. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was kind of strange. I just thought it was kind of huh. strange and kind of sad that he was applying for jobs like that, um, especially because his his grandfather was president. You know, his grandfather's on a coin. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and the second fascinating fact that, uh, about history is when I was studying Roman history at UCLA, I remember one day vividly... Um, we were reading some source about, you know, something that had happened in, you know, uh, 2000 years ago. And we were like, you know, how is this, how is this guy writing about this? It was like the eruption of Vesuvius or something like that. And it was like, well, no, his, even though he wrote this like a hundred years later, his grandfather or, you know, his great uncle or something like that was there. And so this was in, in many ways, it wasn't like, he was writing about ancient history. He was writing about the stories he had to heard as a kid from his family. And you imagine that there's probably some of that with the Tyler family too. So what a fantastic story. Yeah. I think I vote for yours. Yeah. <laughs> even though, so, well, uh, anyway. Can I throw an FYI in? Yeah. I want to throw an FYI in, which is if, if you want to get technical and go for great grandfather for um, Harrison Tyler Ruffin, his great grandfather John Tyler Sr. was actually uh, hung out with uh, Thomas Jefferson and they played fiddles together. And he was also the governor of Virginia. So um, we don't even have to go back that far, though. We just go back to his granddad. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, folks, vote in the comments. Tell us which one of those two presidential facts blew your mind. And we'll see you next time. All right, man. Thanks. Hey, if you like what you hear, like and subscribe. It really means a lot. And we would love to have you coming back every week. Thank you.